Welcome to Act Local, marketing for small business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before, or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing, Act Local will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kaylin features a new tip you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio. Hey now, welcome to Act Local, Marketing for Small Business, episode 104. I'm Kaylin Amadio, host and creator of Act Local Marketing. Don't miss a single episode of Act Local because you can find the podcast feed at actlocalmarketing.com. That's where I post a new episode every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern Time to help you grow your business. Listen to any of the recordings directly on the website there or feel free to subscribe and download on either iTunes or Stitcher. I'm not going to stop you. Each week, I bring a new guest expert to help grow your business. And I always keep a special strategy in my back pocket called Today's Takeaway. That is where you get at least one action item. You can take away with you right now, today, use it, implement it, and it'll help you grow your business. I have a question for you. Can you really systematically and consistently get the results you want from others while making them feel genuinely good about themselves, about the process, and about you? My guest today says absolutely. You don't want to miss this, so stay tuned. Okay, it's confession time. I'm going to freely admit something to you that I do find a little embarrassing. So here it is. I am uncomfortable with closing a sale. It is the part of the sales process that I struggle with the most. Naturally, when I get ready to record my takeaway for you each week, I turn to the Google to research what the magazines and the gurus have to say that might help me out on this particular topic. And I realize that I've never told you, I don't think anyway, that I've ever told you, about Jill Conrath. Jill is a world-class sales trainer, and her website blog is absolutely terrific. I'm on her newsletter list, too. I would suggest that you do the same if, if this is a subject that interests you. She wrote a blog post titled, Help, I Can't Close Sales, where she says, your inability to close is a symptom, not the real problem. What it really means is that your prospect does not think it's worth making a change right now. So in short, it's nice to know about your offering, your service, your goods, but it's not necessary. See, in this article, Jill offers five things you can do to get better at closing sales. And I read through it and I decided I want to share them with you today 
for today's takeaway because I did promise you an action item that you could take with you now to help you grow your business. So here it is, those five tips. Tip number one is know your impact. Make sure you're clearly able to articulate the business value of your offering. Number two is be a storyteller. Share examples of how you've helped other customers improve. Be able to explain how they were doing things before, the challenges that they might have faced, and the results that they achieved since they started working with you. Number three is slow down. You may be moving things along much too fast. You're showing your stuff, sending collateral, and giving pricing. It's highly likely that that prospect doesn't feel like you've focused on their success. Number four, she says, is connect the dots. It's imperative to engage your prospect in a discussion. This helps you and them determine if your offering actually makes sense for them. And her fifth tip, and I really like this one, is stop trying to close. Instead, focus on helping your prospect determine if it makes good business sense to change. Because if it does, they'll say yes. If not, they'll stay with what they've got. Today's prospects are too savvy to fall prey to any closing techniques. The more you do it, the less they want to do business with you. Instead, put your emphasis on the front end of the sales cycle, Jill suggests. And she says, before you know it, your prospects will be saying, how soon can we get going on this? Now, these five, five tips made really good sense to me. And I suggest that you check out her website, jillconrath.com, J-I-L-L-K-O-N-R-A-T-H.com for more sales tips that will make sense to you too. And that is today's takeaway. If you have any questions about the lesson today, please send me an email to ask at actlocalmarketing.com. And before I introduce today's guest, I ask you to please connect with me. Go to the website and follow the social media links to me so that I can meet you. And always use the hashtag actlocalmarketing to continue any conversation you hear on the podcast. Do me a favor. Tell your social media followers, people you network with, about Act Local. And it would be great if you could subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, but most especially leave a review in iTunes because those reviews really help me get noticed at the iTunes store, changes the rankings of the podcast, and helps me reach more small business owners just like you. Helping, I'm going to help more boomers build a prosperous local economy. That's what it's all about as far as I can see. Now we are going to take a quick break, and when we return, I'm going to introduce you to Bob Berg. He is here, and he is stepping to the front of the room. So stay tuned. Tax Local is the place where busy entrepreneurs like you gain more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives them the power to bring their business to the next level. Kaylin returns after a short break with more strategies and techniques to develop your inner warrior. We'll be right back. Local fans, this is Kaylin Amadio, and I have an exciting announcement. Today, October 7th, 2014, I'm launching a new podcast to celebrate the realization of a dream. 
You've heard me speak often on Act Local about the book I've been writing. Well, that book is becoming a reality. I have a contract to publish The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media. Soon, baby boomers everywhere will have all my strategies and guidelines in one swell book that'll help them build a map to social media success. To help promote The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media and subsequent books in this series, I've put together The Boomer's Ultimate Guide podcast, where boomers like me and like you can come together to learn, share, and grow a thriving business and a vibrant life. This podcast is 30 minutes in length and comes in both audio and video formats. I interview guest experts on business, finance, health, wellness, longevity, food, sex, dating, and more. You don't want to miss this next chapter in my life because I'm going to help you live yours more fully. Check out boomersultimateguidepodcast.com. Welcome to Act Local, marketing for small business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio. Welcome back. This is Kaylin Amadio, and you are listening to Act Local Marketing for Small Business. And as promised, I'm going to introduce you to today's guest, Bob Berg. Bob is a highly sought-after speaker at corporate conferences and entrepreneurial events, and he is best known as co-author of the business parable, The Go-Giver. Bob is an advocate, a supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money you make is directly proportional to how many people you serve. He is also an unapologetic animal fanatic. I I love him already as my two puppies lay around here under my desk. Bob has written four books that have sold over 250,000 copies each. He believes his newest book, let me give you the title, it's Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion. He thinks this newest book is by far his most important work yet. Bob, welcome to Act Local Marketing for Small Business. Well, thank you. Great to be with you. I'm so glad that you would have time for us today. When I meet for someone for the first time on the podcast, listeners know I always ask them to share uh, with me because I like to collect them, their entrepreneurial journey. So in a nutshell, can you just tell us how, how you came to be where you are today? Sure. Well, I began as a broadcaster, first in, in radio and then in television. Uh, I was actually a news anchor for a, a local ABC affiliate in the Midwest. Very small, very small station. Uh, but it was good because you got to learn a whole lot. You had a lot of hands-on, do-it-yourself. Um, but I, I wasn't necessarily a very good broadcaster. So I could read the news, but I wasn't very journalistic, I guess. So uh, in order to make a little extra money, I began to sell advertising time there. And before long, uh, it, by the way, when I began selling, I floundered miserably because I, I didn't know how to do it. And the training there was very minimal. Uh, 
but I eventually came across authors such as Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar and began studying their works and almost immediately my um, sales effectiveness just went through the roof, which really you know, says that when you have a system for doing something, you have a, a lot greater probability of being successful. I define a system simply as the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. So, you know, the key is predictability. If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired results of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and do A consistently and you'll get the desired results of B. And of course, Hopkins and Ziegler and these got great teachers. And I got to learn and study and eventually work my way up to a uh, sales manager of company and began teaching others how to do what I was doing that was working for me in sales. And, uh, you know, I've always been entrepreneurial by nature. So I, I had a chance to uh, set up a company where I could start to teach these and speak and so forth. And, and that's really how it happened. So I'm definitely an entrepreneur by heart. Good for, you. Heart. Good for you. Uh, I, I like um, how you define systems, make them seem much more doable. They don't have to be a big, scary thing to work. Now, let me ask you about, um, about the new book. I, a lot of people are familiar with The Go-Giver. In fact, I was speaking to a local uh, group of business council people. I had asked to come in, been asked to come in to talk to them a little bit about you know online media and social media and stuff like that. And um, they were getting through talking with someone about networking and The Go-Giver was a book that they held up in this little class of people saying, this is a great book to read. Make sure you go out and get it oh. as they were finishing up their um, their piece there during that part of the class. But this new book, and let me tell people the title of it again, Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion. So when I hear the word adversary and mm -hmm. ally, right, those two words, those imply, you know, those are war words, right? Warlike mentality, but we're talking business and sales. So explain for everyone your premise in this book. Well, in a sense, the book is really about people skills. It's being able to bring out the best in others and bring out the best in ourselves and create situations where uh, potential adversaries can be allies. Now, I don't mean necessarily your, your competition what, um, next door. What I'm talking about is, uh, you know, let's say, for example, if you're in the selling process, um, you're your prospect is not your adversary, okay? You're, you and they are allies. You're both looking for the same thing, how you can please that person, okay? Not how you can make a commission, not how you can make the sale, but how you can bring value to them in a way that they understand it to be of value. Uh, I often say when I speak at conferences to, for salespeople and, and small business owners, I often say, you know, uh, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to make or to mm -hmm. meet. Nobody's going to buy from you because you need to pay the bill or need to make payroll. They're going to buy from you because they understand that you have their best interest at heart and they can see the value in doing business with you. So they've got to be approached as allies, not adversaries. Uh, but it also could be this person who, let's say you have a, 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 a client that, you know, who you need to raise your fees. 
in order to, to better be able to serve that person, to be able to better, to make more of an income that's going to make you happier with what you're doing. You've got to be able to justify that. And this client could be the nicest person in the world who you just love, but they don't want to pay higher fees and they want to know what now. Is there an adversarial situation? Yeah, potentially. Sure there is. So that's why we need to move the ad, you know, adversaries into being an ally. You know, one of my favorite quotes ever was from a Japanese Hall of Fame baseball player. His name was Sadaharu O. They used to call him the Japanese Babe Ruth because he was so prolific, although he actually hit 868 home runs. He hit more home runs than Babe Ruth. Uh, or Henry Aaron, or uh, Bobby Bonds, or, you know, uh, this guy was just fantastic. Of course, they all were too, but um, what he used to say, what, what Sanaharu O used to say is, I never saw the opposing pitcher as my adversary, but rather as my partner in hitting home runs. Interesting. Yes, this is very key, because it's not that the pitchers saw themselves as his partner in hitting home runs, no. And many times your prospects or your current customers or the vendor you're having to deal with, they're not necessarily seeing you as their partner right now or as, a, as their ally. And that's why it's incumbent, it's incumbent upon you to be the one that sets the proper frame, that resets the frame, that creates that, that um, cooperative environment. Right. Okay. So um, I get it. Thank you for that let's talk about influence for a moment. I think a lot of people are familiar with Robert Cialdini's book, you know, by yeah, that oh, title I'm, influence and you know, the, it had a subtitle, but yeah, the, I, and I, I suggest his book from stage. I think at every single program I do uh, influence. And then the subtitle is science and practice. Okay. Uh, actually he has four books on influence and they're all just terrific. If you're going to start with one, that is the one to start with, Influence, Science, and Practice. It's terrific. It is a terrific book, and, and it really brings the whole sales process into uh, a different focus for many people. So I want you to talk to us about what influence really is and why it's so important. Sure. Influence on a very, very basic level can be defined as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. Now, that is its definition, uh, and I, I believe that's, that definition is very correct, but I don't think that that definition captures the essence of influence, at least not as I write about influence. Um, I believe that influence is pull. Uh, it's not push. You know, you, you don't influence others by pushing yourself on them, by pushing your agenda on them, by being pushy. Nobody says, hey, that Dave or that Carolyn, she is so influential. She has a lot of push. No, she has a lot of pull because that's what influence is. And, you know, the, the what I call ultimate influence, which I talk about in, in Adversaries and Two Allies, my five laws of five principles of ultimate influence, I define ultimate influence simply as the ability to get the results you want when dealing with others, but in such a way that you make this person feel genuinely good about themselves, about the situation, and about you. And when you can do that, you are really 
nine steps ahead of the game in a 10 step game because really you know you can have the you can have great technical skills you can have uh you can be a very high character you can have a knack for numbers and a head for business and you can be hard working and all that is great it's terrific but it's only when you can can effectively influence others and you know when it comes to to people taking your ideas, accepting your ideas, buying into your ideas, committing to your ideas, it has a lot to do with how you genuinely make them feel uh, about themselves and about you. Okay. You know, you had brought up the ultimate influence in those five principles. I'm going to ask you about that in a moment. But, but before I ask you to share the five principles with us, there's one more aspect of uh, influence and this idea of adversaries into allies that I want you to touch on. So, you know, we're talking about persuasion, and many people see persuasion as another word for manipulation. So I want you to help us see the difference between the two. Well, you know, if, if influence is really being able to move others to action, uh, there are two ways that you can do that. You could do it through manipulating another person. Or you could do it through persuading another person. Now, one is obviously negative and, and one's positive. Yes. yes. But the two of them, you would have to say, are cousins. Now, one's the evil cousin and one's the good cousin. But why do I say they're cousins? Because both a manipulator and a persuader both understand human nature. They understand the human thought process and they know how to move people to action. Uh, now, the manipulator is is very win-lose in nature. The, the manipulator may not uh, be attempting to hurt another person, but they don't necessarily care if they do as long as they get their way. They're very win-at-all-costs. They're very I-focused or me-focused. With a persuader, that is, that's not true. With a persuader, they're always win-win. They will not do something that will be win-lose because it's not congruent with their value system. So it, you know, it begins with intent, but that's not where it ends. Uh, because, you know, once you've been manipulated, you will do your best to resist that person, to avoid that person, to not buy into that person, to be, to be defensive about, right? Even if you have to work with that person, you're going to do your best to not be with a persuader once you've been persuaded well that's fine you you feel great about it you know you and so now you know, i read a, a book years ago back in it, the, the book was i read it in the the, the 19 the mid 90s right? <laughs> i thought you were getting ready to say the 1900s the mid 1900s I, I read it before i was born actually <laughs> <laughs> uh, i read it in the mid 90s it was actually published in, in 1986 it's called the art of talking so that people will listen by yes. Dr. Paul Sweat. Now, I own that book, yes. Yeah, now the book was really more about listening than talking, and it was an absolutely brilliant, brilliant book, and he's a very nice man. I got to speak with him. Um, and I thought he did a wonderful job within the book of describing the difference. He, here's what he said. He said that manipulation aims at control, not cooperation. It does not consider the good of the other party. It results in a win-lose situation. Uh, in direct contrast to the manipulator, the persuader always seeks to enhance the self-esteem of the other party. The result is that people respond better because they're treated as responsible or response-able, self-directing uh, human beings. 
So we see that there's really a, quite a big difference between manipulation and persuasion, both in intent, but also in, in results. It is absolutely much better business and much better life to be a persuader as opposed to a manipulator. Okay, got it. So we've, we've gone through some definitions, which I think are important before uh, you start to give us the five principles of ultimate influence. So we've talked about um, the premise of adversaries and, and allies, right? As the title of your book says, win people over without manipulation or, or coercion. We've right. talked about influence, which is a, a fundamental part of any kind of sales training. You know, if you're, if you find yourself in business, uh, you can't maintain being in business without making sales, right. which, which comes as a surprise sometimes to entrepreneurs when sales isn't their background. So they, they need to learn about this. We've talked about persuasion versus manipulation, which I think is a sticking point for people who don't have sales training. They worry about the fact that they think they have to manipulate people in order to make sales. Can I? And that's not the case. Can I, suggest, can I suggest one reframe for, for sure. your audience members who are in business, they love what they do, they recognize that they bring wonderful value to people through their products and services, yet they have sort of a sticking point when it comes to sales or feeling they're in sales or having to sell? Yes. Many people have a, a misconception about selling, and that is that it's about trying to convince someone to buy something they don't want or need. Okay, that is not selling. That's called being a con artist. That would be a manipulator. Okay, at its very basic, selling, and, and, and I would ask, please remember this selling is simply determining or finding out what somebody does want or need and helping them to get it. And when you look at selling as being that, now you can feel very, very good about what you do. And you know more about the, your product or service and how the benefits of your product or service connect with what this person needs than they do. But to understand that, you need to be able to ask questions and genuinely care and genuinely want to provide value and genuinely listen to this person. And this is why we say that money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder to value's lightning, which simply means the value must come first and the money you receive is simply a natural and direct result of the value you've provided. Also remember that the word sell comes from the, the old English root, salan, which literally meant to give. So when you're selling, you're giving. Now, is that just semantics? I don't think so. Let me ask this. When you're in the selling process, when you have a prospect or customer in front of you, what are you, what are, when you're selling, what are you giving? I suggest you're giving time attention, counsel, education, empathy, and most of all, value. So please feel good about being in sales. You are in sales, and you're doing a great thing by being so. And the way you've just reframed that made me think it's more of a problem-solving Sure, it is. That's thing, what it's than, the, than the, it is sales, which, which resonates for me, you know, because I'm a problem-solver. As so. opposed to sales, sales is problem-solving. Right. People who can solve other people's problems or find a way to help that other person get more of what they do desire, uh, those are the people who sell the most <laughs> and make the most money because right. they're the most people. Right. Okay. Perfect. So now I would like to hear your five principles of, of ultimate influence. Would you share those with us? 
Sure. Well, the principles themselves are, number one, control your own emotions. Number two, understand the clash of belief systems. Number three, acknowledge their ego. Number four, set the proper frame. And number five, communicate with tact and empathy. And if you'd like, we can go through those. We can do an abbreviated version if you'd like, or, or you can ask me anything in particular. Yeah, go, go ahead and give me the, the short version for each of those. Okay, well, with control your own emotions, that's simply where it all begins. Because unless you can control your own emotions, unless you're in control of yourself, you're, you know, the, only when you are can you take a potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a win for everyone involved. The challenge is we are, we're human beings and we are emotional creatures. That is just how it is. Um, now, we'd like to think we're logical, and to a certain extent we are, but we're pretty emotion-driven, and we make major decisions based on emotion, and we rationalize those decisions, and, and so forth. Now, we, you know, we pretty much know that, but then there's also the type of emotions that are, that, uh, that are also negative that really affect us when we allow someone to say or do something, and it might be consciously or unconsciously, that pushes our buttons and causes us to be mad or angry or sad or helpless or, you know, victimish or, or whatever. And so, you know, when someone says or does, when you're trying to, to communicate value to someone and they're not understanding or they're asking questions that seem as though it's their um, adversarial or their, how, are you able to control your emotions so that rather than being a part of the problem, you're able to live in the solution and be able to communicate the necessary value to that person? So it's, it's absolutely imperative to be able to control your own emotions. And in the, in the book, I, of course, go through steps on how you can actually do that. And that was certainly a problem I had for many years that right. I had to work on. Right. So uh, I was intrigued by number two, actually. Repeat um, the second principle again for me and tell me a little more about it. Yeah, that is understand the clash of belief systems. Yeah. And this is so very key. Uh, first, what is a belief? Well, a belief is simply a subjective truth. It's the truth as we understand the truth to be, which doesn't mean it's the truth. It means it's our truth. Now, sometimes our truth and the truth are the same, but not necessarily, and far less often than we think, because our, our basic belief system is comprised of, you know, a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, uh, you know, movies, popular culture, cultural mores, every experience that comes into our life. However, it's pretty much set in stone by the time we're little more than toddlers. <laughs> and obviously, it's information and beliefs that we didn't uh, consciously choose, but it's generations and generations and generations dating back to the cave person days. And so, you know, many of these beliefs that are now part of our DNA some of them serve us. They served us much better back in the cave person days when it was a matter of survival, fight or flight, and so forth. They don't necessarily serve us now, but often get in the way of our happiness, our success, and so forth. Well, we have to understand that, or we have to be conscious of, of this. See, most of us, we grow up and live our lives being controlled by a, um, what I call an unconscious operating system. And that is our beliefs that we don't even know we have. We don't even know that they are that they are driving our, our, our you know, ourselves. So so we grow up thinking and feeling and saying and doing things that are not a result of consciousness, but pre-programmed thoughts, ideas and feelings. Well, here's the thing. 
this other person with whom you're about to have a potentially difficult transaction, an adversarial one, they also grew up with their own belief systems and they're controlled by that program as, by their own program, which is different from yours. So it, it's not that we have to try to even understand their belief system. I mean, I, you, we're not going to be, they don't even understand their belief system any more than we understand ours. Um, but what we do need to do is just understand that they are probably seeing the world from a whole different model than we are. Sure. I and, often call those the, you know, the filters that everyone has their own filters that they exactly. see the world through. Exactly. Yeah. So none of us see the same thing. Often when, when people are worried about competition, you know, within their industry, mm -hmm. they think, well, you know, why, why would I do this when so many other people are doing exactly the same thing and there's all this competition? And I often tell clients it's because your, your viewpoint is through your filters. Right. So exactly. it's going to be different, even though it's the same subject. Well, that brings up a that that brings up a great a great point. I should say you brought up a great point, and that is we are not our customers. So even when we are in the process of selling our product or service, and we believe that our product or service brings a certain value, okay. Uh, in other words, it serves a certain need. It does a certain thing. We don't know that that's how our customers are looking at it. And remember that value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's not what we think is of value or it's not what we think they should think is of value. It's what they believe is of value, which is why it's a great idea if you have you know, if you have some customers and clients that just absolutely love you, that they're your, your personal walking ambassadors interview them, have coffee with them, ask them, what is it about us that you really like or that why you do business with us, what you see is a, and you're going to find out that their answers are different than what you think their answers are. Sure. And it's going to serve you very well and it's going to help you to serve others very well. If you know what, Bob, just between you and me, I know nobody else is listening. Uh, <laughs> just between you and me, if the whole world could just keep that in mind, you know, with it, we have all these hot things going on in the world today. And if everyone could just remember that, um, you know, we all have our own filters and right. what I see is not what you see. Exactly. Uh, you know, we'd all be much better off, but I guess that's a, that's a point in evolution that, that not everyone is at yet. Right. What we can do is we can do our best to control that in ourselves. And as we do that, and, you know, and people ask us about our effectiveness and why we're able to do this and that, and we can say, because one thing I really understand is that, you know, I see the world a certain way and that someone else sees it in a different way and someone else sees it in a different way. And we're not even aware of that, but the more we can be aware of it, the better. By the way, one thing just to, to help everyone keep this in mind, if you've ever heard, you know, as human beings, we tend to think, by the way, that everybody does see the world the same way we do. Right? Right. How could it be any different, right? And that's why you hear people say things like, oh, everybody likes that or nobody feels that way. But here's the biggie. Have you ever said or, or you know, I know I've said this and, oh, I would never treat someone that way. No, we wouldn't because it's not congruent with our belief system or how we see the world, but for others it is. So well, we don't have to take it personally. A, a great, great book uh, uh, by Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, The Four Agreements, ha has a, a great couple of chapters on don't make assumptions and don't take things personally. And it's all really about what he calls the agreements of the world. It's all about understanding belief systems.
Right. Right. Well, um, I want to take a quick break. I realize that I could end up talking to you all day long, but I want to be uh-huh. respectful of your time. Um, just do me a favor and just state the five principles again, and then we're going to go to a break. And I have a new question for you when we get back. What were the five principles of ultimate influence again? Yes. Control your own emotions, understand the clash of belief systems, acknowledge your ego, set the proper frame, and communicate with tact and empathy. Perfect. And uh, everyone, you're going to have to go out and buy the book to learn more about those last three principles, because I'm going to move on to another question when we get back from this very quick break. More with Bob Berg. Hang in there. We'll be right back. I feel so close to you right now. Tax Local is the place where busy entrepreneurs like you gain more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives them the power to bring their business to the next level. Kaylin returns after a short break with more strategies and techniques to develop your inner warrior. We'll be right back. Once there was a smart baby boomer that loved her business. She knew that to grow it, she would need marketing. So she went for a search on the internet and came across all sorts of social media. She went on all the sites and opened accounts, but after starting profiles on all of them, she began to feel overwhelmed. To do all the marketing experts told her to do was just too big a task. She needed a change. Because she was a smart entrepreneur, she chose two of the popular social media sites to market her business. But after months and months, it didn't seem to make any difference. And she saw other savvy business owners using different sites here and blogging over there. When suddenly, she noticed more clever baby boomers going to iKalen.com and leaving so happy, she just had to see for herself. iKalen.com helped her make a marketing plan to grow her business that wasn't too big and wasn't too little. It was just right. So close to you right now. Welcome to Act Local, marketing for small business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio. Welcome back. This is Kaylin Amadio, and you are listening to Act Local Marketing for Small Business. And I am having a fantastic discussion with my guest today, Bob Berg. You probably best know him as the co-author of The Go-Giver, very popular book. We're talking about his newest book today, which is titled Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion. And in the first part of my interview, I've, I've asked Bob to speak to us about influence, because that's something that always comes up when you think about trying to win people over, right? How are you going to influence them? We've also talked about the difference between persuasion and manipulation because too many people, I think, when they look at the process of sales, think that they're either, uh, they have to manipulate other people in order to make sales or that they automatically think they're being manipulated. So they put a lot of guards up 
when they're approached by a salesperson. So we talked a lot about that. And then Bob also shared with us his five principles of ultimate influence. Uh, and we've gone over a couple of those. And of course, get the book to find out more about all five of them and uh, how to start making differences in your own life around those five principles. But Bob, I have a new question for you. Sure. So you say that there is one question that you can ask that's pretty much guaranteed to keep a potential misunderstanding from actually taking place. You have to share that with us. Uh, sure. And it actually goes right back into belief systems. The fact that we see the world a different way. So let's say that someone, you know, you, uh, someone on your team says, Hey, we just heard from the uh, client, uh, deadline's been moved up. We, he, he now wants the project completed as soon as possible. So, okay, well, there's yourself and two other people and each of you sees the word as soon as possible, the term as having different meanings. You, um, feel that as soon as possible means it needs to be done right away. So you skip doing, uh, going to your kid's ball game that night, you pull an all nighter, you get your part of the project done. But when, but the next day, uh, the person who brought that to you is no closer to having it done than they were before. And you're upset. And well, I thought you said as soon as possible. Well, yeah, it does. Well, whether, well, what happens is you define as soon as possible as right away. They define as soon as possible as, uh, you know, once this current project's done, uh, another person on the team defines as soon as possible as, well, when we get a chance, we'll, you know, and we put a hurry on it, but nobody really knows what each other means. So if you want to not have a miscommunication like that or a misunderstanding, you simply ask the person to define their terms. Now, you, you don't say it, well, what do you mean as soon as possible? What? No, well, you say it more tactfully. You might say, you know, just for my own clarification, when you say as soon as possible, is there a, a specific date or time you had in mind? And now the person can say, well, yes, it needs to be done Wednesday, close of day, five o'clock. And that's really all it is. It's just respectfully making sure a person defines their terms. Um, when you say we should, you know, go to the ball game someday, uh, is, is it something that you would want to, you know, put a time, you know, set a time for right now? Or is it something we should maybe check back with? in a few weeks or, you know, whatever it happens to be. Now, you also want to make sure that when you're the person who brings the, the information that you've made sure you clarify. So if you say, I just spoke to the client, they need this done now as soon as possible. So just so we're all, you know, very clear, uh, when I say uh, as soon as possible in this case means Wednesday, close of day, five o'clock. That is, that is so smart. And I, I see myself as you say that, because I, I am the type of person that if, if my boss came to me and said, this has to be done as soon as possible, I take that to mean drop everything you're doing because this is now your number one priority exactly. and get it done. And you're right. It would upset me if someone else on the team thought that meant, well, when I'm done with what's on my desk now, this will slip into the next slot ahead of everything else in the queue. And this happens so much, so much. I'm and that's sure. all we need to do to make sure is to be consciously aware and simply ask the person to define their terms. Right. And that, that's a good leadership tip right there. Doesn't matter you know where you are within a company. Exactly. That's yeah, that's great leadership to make sure that you really are defining 
uh, the parameters of what someone expects so that, so that you truly understand what they're looking for. That is so interesting. I can't tell you how many times I've been, I've been upset because I've met what I thought was meeting a deadline when really it wasn't as soon as possible as I thought it was. Exactly. Yeah, the client actually meant something else. They meant maybe I had a week to get this done. But when they tell me as soon as possible, I thought that meant drop everything and do it now. Sure. And when you think of it, you know, what makes it doubly tough is that not only do we see the world or do we see different terms or words with different definitions, uh, but many words and terms have different definitions. Sure. Chances are even more so that we're going to mess up uh, unless we, and, and, you know, and here's the thing and why I say it's the responsibility of the communicator to make sure the message is understood. You know, the onus is always on the communicator. Okay. Sure. Is that really fair? Well, I don't know. It depends. Do you want fair or do you want to be effective? Yes. So what you need to do is be the one to make sure that everybody understands one another. That's, that's a good parenting tip also, you realize. <laughs> that's a good parenting tip in talking to your kids. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> right? You mm -hmm. know, make sure that, that you're explicit about what it is you want and not uh, not leave any of it to chance. So... I know that you are a big um, animal activist, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And that you adopted a stray cat recently, or you say that maybe she adopted you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I heard you talking to her before, folks, before we uh, we actually started recording our interview. He was talking to his to his cats. Uh, and you can always tell when someone loves their animals, you know, by how they speak. <laughs> First of all, if they own them, and then how, how they speak to them. So yeah. Why? Yeah. she... She I was never, a bit resistant at first, uh, you said, but well, you were able to win her over and you devoted a chapter of uh, your book to this. Well, yeah, there was a print. And of course, the chapters are like one or two pages, so it's not like it's a whole. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so people don't think I actually wrote a book about the cat. But you uh, said there was, a, there was a very key principle yeah, that you yeah. used, and I, I would exactly. love it if you could share that with us. Absolutely. Uh, when when uh, we first met the, um, the a neighbor of mine actually pointed her out to me and, and uh, that she looked starving and and uh, dirty and and so forth and so we we just took some water out to her uh, in a bowl but really uh, she was so um, skittish of people you know she was either feral or, or abandoned or or uh, um, stray or what have you we didn't know and so, um, you know, she wouldn't even take water from us. But if we put the bowl down and then walked away and she felt safe, well, she would ravenously, you know, go after the water. So I got some cat kibble and did the same thing. I put it down, you know, by the bush where she was hiding. And, and um, as soon as we walked away, she would eat. And, and then, you know, and every day I kind of brought the bowl closer to my uh, patio and back. And um, after a while, I was able to, to actually put the bowl inside the patio as long as I kept the back door open. So she knew she could escape. She knew she was safe and had an escape route. And event, you know, a couple of days later, then I put the, the bowl actually in the house so, so she, could, she could stand at the sliding door and eat, but she still had the, the back door. Uh, and then so what I did one time is I uh, finally started to, because I wanted to see if I could get her to eat inside, because by this time I was kind of falling in love with her and, and wanted her to be my cat, and I wanted to be her human, and and um, so I started to close the door, 
And as soon as I started to, she looked up right away and looked like she was going to make an escape. So I immediately opened it back up all the way. And as soon as I did, she just looked kind of, you know, was satisfied with it and then went back to eating. And then I closed the door slowly right behind her. So she was now in the house. And then, you know, every day she started to eat in the house. And pretty soon, you know, she began to just hang out in the house and so forth and so on. And she was fine. Now, here's the key. And this is the principle that, that works on two-leggeds as well as four-leggeds. Okay? <laughs> and that's this. It's what I call the law of the out or back door. And that is people want to feel as though they have control over their lives. People want to feel they make their own decisions and they have a right to make their own decisions. Um, they don't want to feel they're being coerced or manipulated or trapped. And so the, my Berg's law of the out or back door simply says the bigger the out or back door you give someone to take, the less they'll feel the need to take it. So it's sort of like when you call a sales prospect on the phone and when you get them on the phone, you might say something like, you know, did I, do you have a really quick minute or did I catch you at an awful time? Now you might be thinking, well, isn't the person just going to say, no, you caught me at an awful time? Well, if you did, then yeah, they probably will say that, but they would say that anyway. They'd resent you just trying to steamroll them into, but what they'll probably do is if they, if they are busy, they will tell you, but it will be much easier to now make a follow-up appointment because they see that you respect their time. Or they'll probably say, no, I have a quick minute. What can I do for you? And then you've got to be able to ask that initial question that elicits their interest. And that's, and that's fine. That's expected. Or it might be when you're presenting to a new customer and just saying something like, you know, just so you know, this interview right now is simply to, to discover if there is a need or desire for this product or service. I don't know yet that what I have can meet your needs. Uh, so this is simply to see if that's the case. You know, depending upon what you sell, whether that the, the wording can change, of course. But what you're doing is you're letting that person know that, no, it's in your hands. I am here to help to see if there's a connection between the benefits of what I sell and your needs and desires. And there might be and there might not be. But when you say that, that uh, uh, right away, um, you know, takes the guard down of that person who now doesn't feel as though they're about to be forced into doing something they don't want to do. Right. You're, lo you're looking to see if your goods or services are part of the solution to whatever problems they're experiencing. Exactly. To go back to that, you know, problem solving. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. And that's a much easier way to, to make that phone call when you when you have that mindset. Yes, you know, when, when you pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have so enjoyed speaking with you today. Oh, likewise. I've I've learned a great deal from you. I'm going to pick up this book and learn even more. And I suggest everyone else out there do the same. Adversaries into allies, win people over without manipulation or coercion by Bob Berg. Tell us uh, where can we find these books. Uh, if they, if anyone would like to visit my website, it's Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. And while there, they can actually subscribe to my Influence and Success Insights. And if they click on the uh, graphic of the book, it will actually take them to an influence, uh, ultimate influence, um, so, what do you call it? You know, when you do a, a self uh like an evaluation? Oh. Yeah. Uh, so they can they can kind of rate their their ability at ultimate influence right now and see where it uh, 
a self-assessment. Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and they can take that if they like, and they can download, they can get uh, chapter one of the book for free to see if they like it first. And then from there, they can always decide to uh, purchase if they like. Oh, that's very generous of you. So I, I hope people heard that you can download the first chapter of the book uh, for free to get uh, into it first. That's very nice of you. And you can visit Bob's uh, website, which is burg.com, bobberg, burg.com. And uh, that's where you can find links. I, I assume there are links to your other books as well, right? There are. I pretty much get everything there at the site, including how to connect with me on social media. I have my blog up there. So, you know, I would invite everybody to, to, to come on to Berg.com, hang around for a while and have some fun. And also you do uh, speaking engagements as well, right? You do a lot of speaking. So yeah. if someone's interested in booking you, they could. I'm thinking they can get more information at the website as well. Absolutely. There's a five-minute preview video there, too, that they can check out if they'd like. Oh, perfect. Perfect. So, Bob Berg, author, I'm going to mention the book title one more time, Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion. It has been fascinating speaking to you today. You are a delight. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I thank you, quite frankly, for um, being willing to share all of this fabulous information and taking time for my audience. And you out there, audience members, this is Act Local, Marketing for Small Business. You remember that we release a new episode every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern time to help you move your business at least that one little step forward. I always hope they're big steps, but even if it's a little step, it'll make me happy as long as you can keep moving forward. So until next time, I very much would like you to take care. Join Kaylin for more marketing madness each week on Act Local Marketing. It will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Act Local Marketing for Small Business goes live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern and can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and at actlocalmarketing.com. Have a question for Act Local? Email Kaylin at ask at actlocalmarketing.com. That's A-S-K at actlocalmarketing.com. And she may answer you right on air. Make sure to include your name and business website for a free shout out. Don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about Act Local and leave Kaylin a review at the iTunes store. See you next time on Act Local Marketing for Small Business.